Hello and welcome once again to the Wide Teams Podcast, the podcast for geographically dispersed teams and remote workers. Located on the web at wideteams.com and on Twitter at Wide Teams. This is episode 18. I'm your host, Avdi Grimm. This episode wraps up our three-part series recorded at Ruby Decamp 2010. If you didn't catch the previous segments, it's a recording of a roundtable of software developers who have varying levels of experience working on dispersed teams, and they're just discussing uh, various aspects of working on a dispersed team, working together while far, far apart. I hope you've enjoyed this series and gotten some useful pointers out of it. Next week, I'll be back with a regular interview. I'll be talking to the CEO of a company that's split between Sunnyvale, California and Barcelona. So stay tuned, I think you'll enjoy it. And now, part three of the Dispersed Teams Roundtable at Ruby Decamp 2010. On the other subject of things being further away, I'd heard that communication starts to break down at about three feet. (laughs) So no sooner than you'd think, you know. uh, And within one foot. That's when you get what are the um, like the the nuclear forces that push oh, yeah, atoms strong weak nuclear. So, yeah, right. You get the, the strong nuclear force within <laughs> distances. Yes, and, and depending if they're like our like particles, space, they make hard to concentrate. Yeah, <laughs> roughly correlating with body odor. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Are there equivalent of you know little boy? This is annoying. We need to deal with things socially in the remote environment. Well, we don't have to deal with odors. Yes, because I suspected that wasn't one of them. What about, what about um, uh, poorly, uh, like, uh, inconsiderate interruptions? Because if you look busy, I might not interrupt you, but if you're, you don't look busy over the internet. Right. You're at, well, I mean, sometimes you're in busy mode and sometimes you're in available mode, but that's usually not a real good identifier anyway. So it's like, if I Skype call you and you're working on something and all of a sudden your phone, your headphones just go like ring, 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 you know? Like, that could be pretty obnoxious. See, I've never, uh, I've considered it a common courtesy to just ping someone and say, hey, can I give you a call? Yeah, but what if there's that one guy that always calls you right away? Then just tell him. Right, yeah, that's what we're talking about is like, are there there other things like that that you find? Um... I guess that could get annoying if there was one guy that, that did that all the time. But I mean, like, I'm I'm like really hardcore about like I won't answer a phone unless I really want to. So, like, if, if Skype rings and I'm thinking about something, I'm be like cancel. Um, but it's, and I don't feel bad about that. Uh, yeah, it is. But I mean, you know, I can get rid of it pretty quickly, and then I can. What if it's your What if it's your boss? Like, often my. Uh, my boss will do that, and then you kind of have to break your... Depends on the boss. I found it's actually kind of... It's uh, it's almost never bad to say, I'm sorry I didn't get back to your call. I was working on that important feature. 
Exactly. Yeah, I, like it's, it's almost it's not. And, and I I do the Pomodoro thing, which we talked about last time around. So whenever somebody interrupts me, I can immediately tell them exactly how much time it will be until I pay attention to them, and that um that's really helpful. Nice. Uh, I've I've yeah. had an interesting sort of mix on the in these problems where I had a, a a team that I was coaching that were all the technical team was all physically co-located, and the customers and other people they were working with are people that were sort of pseudo customers were within the build, same building so they were physically close enough to go see them but they'd be constantly sending them little emails little chats and say do this for me solve this little problem you know that, that which never went in our backlog and so things would happen that it's like okay so you're still working on the same user story you were working on three days ago what happened um and I got to the point where that team would just said, okay, you know, for these four hours of the day, you are not answering your email. You are not answering your phone. You are not, if anybody wants to see it, they say, you know, me or the manager. And, and, and we, we, sometimes you have to be the buffer. Yeah. But between, at least, you know, if you're some any kind of team leadership role, you have to be the buffer between your team and the rest of the world. Right. If it's, you're it's distributed, um, you have to do that for yourself. It's military chain of command. I mean, you want to have every level of command be able to have the liberty to make its own decisions, mm-hmm. but also you can only answer and communicate directly up one level and down one level, and going around that is reserved only for extremely serious scenarios when you need to talk about the level that is above you or below you. Well, I mean, there are times you want to encourage them to, like when, that's, when it'll take two seconds to get a clarification on what was meant by this thing in the user story. Mm-hmm. Um, but once you've got that problem solved, that is, you can't talk to the customer problem solved, it can go the opposite extreme so that, you know, that they, 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 they need to be reined in. My guess is that the military has recognized that the cost of the abuse of that system and versus the benefit of, like, uh, like going around somebody to get something done very quickly is generally costs more by being abused than it pays off in the cases when it's used appropriately and that they, they chose to make that trade-off. I think what I hear um, over and over again talking to people about their dispersed teams is just that, well, no, I, I mean, um, not, not about cost. I mean, there's, yeah, we can talk about that. But, I mean, um, the vast majority of their issue, the issues that they have are just the exact same organizational issues that you have in any team. They're not really, they're not, you know, they have a few dispersed specific problems, but, like, the stuff that, that, that you're talking about um, you know, it's really just it's it's just standard organizational issues. You oh, know, yeah. it shows up as a scapegoat because it's easy to blame, even though it might not actually be the problem. Sure, it, it may. I mean, it depends. Like that's another thing. You know, you have you have teams where everyone's really on board with the um, with with being a dispersed team. But if there's somebody that isn't on board, especially if they're on in management, then yeah, they'll absolutely exploit some of that. Yeah, you well, know, those yeah. things and and call them dispersed issues, and they're really just organizational issues. Yeah, we used to have a drive-by. You know, how you have drive-by shooters. We used to have drive-by customers. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it happened to show up in a distributed manner, but when we finally uh, put that in place that, okay, you had to go through these, then they physically started showing up, and we had to physically block the halls. I'm not kidding. <laughs> to, to let our developers get work done. Uh, so it's not a unique problem to distribute it. I think, I think some of the technical things like how do you pair uh, get and you know things of that sort, and, and setting up Skype or, or, or mm-hmm. five million other tools get a lot more complicated. Um, 
but the human communication problems are just generic. They maybe get exaggerated a little in a distributed environment. You just um, you're mentioning customers and Skype, and that brought something into my my head that Jim Weirich was talking about, mm-hmm. and um, I, I like his idea um, that if you do have a you know a customer that you need to deal with, and you're a dispersed team, and, or the or the customer is remote, which happens a lot, mm-hmm. um, send them a Skype phone. And be like, you know, this is like your bat phone, you know. <laughs> um, but the kind that supports video, you know, and and you know, but basically, and that's all it does is do like Skype with video, you know. But but make it easy for them to to call you with with their faces shown, and and uh, I thought that was a great idea. Yeah, that's that's something we don't really recognize is that even though most of us, or, or at least a lot of us, don't work on a distributed team, we fail to recognize that a remote customer is a distributed, distributed team. team. Yes. Yes. yes absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, and, you know, 99% of the time when we are dealing with customers, they are not right there in our face because as a consulting company, our, cons- our customers are always somebody else. It's never ourselves. Um, so failing to, to recognize that, I think, causes a lot of the same set of communication issues. Do you find there are situations where, like, you know, you, you communicate, like, how is this supposed to work up the chain, and then and then the project manager eventually communicates that to the customer, and then the customer gets back to them, and they get back to you, where, it, like, it would have been, like, five minutes if you had just Skyped the customer? Um, maybe. See, the, the thing is, this is coming back to the point we, we got to before. I've been both the developer and the project manager on these mm-hmm. sorts of things, and I find that when I'm the developer, I hate it when the client comes to me. Right. I want them to go to the PM. Right. Right. But do you ever want to go to the client as a, as, as a developer? Um, yeah, you, you occasionally do. Um, and, and sometimes you go to the PM right. for it, and sometimes you don't. Sometimes, like, probably about half the time, the PM actually knows the answer yeah. because they've been working with the client so right. much. Um, when I'm the PM, I, w- I would hate it when the client would go to the developers because, you know, mm-hmm. the same thing as you are talking about, Camille, where it didn't go in the backlog. Why isn't it in the backlog? Like, <laughs> yeah. how can I be the PM if I And then they complain when it's late. Right. <laughs> right, there you go. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, we definitely see it both ways. And, uh, and the, the funny thing is I've kind of found that the reverse of what you want is, is always tends to be what, uh, what's happening because when you really, really want the client to come in, it's, you usually end up dealing with them over the phone. Mm-hmm. And then when they want to come in and talk to you, it's usually something that you want to do over the phone. Mm-hmm. You know, And so you end up seeing the client when you don't need to see them and not seeing them when you do because usually the times you need to see them is spontaneous. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, on, on that subject, one of the, the more important things to get real customer feedback on um, you know, is, 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 is the look and feel and behavior of your application. You know, of your priorities, of course. But if one advantage you can have in a, in a physically co-located environment, that's with a physically co-located customer, is that you can have, you know, whoever's developing, you know, some of your user interface stuff, sit down with a customer and sort of pair with them and say, okay, so um, what you're saying is this, and, you know, something shows up. With, with Rails and, and tools like that, it's so fast that it's possible for people that are really good to do that. Uh, has anyone any experience in trying to, you know, pair, develop with a customer or a business analyst or someone who's the domain expert, you know, who's a quasi-customer in this time of environment remotely? Um, we, we have that issue right now in the project I'm working on. The domain is extremely difficult and uh, very foreign to us. And um, so the, the customer has needed to 
Uh, they, in general, they have failed to provide us with accurate specifications because it's so much information that I would I'm, I would not expect them to be able to succeed in providing us accurate specifications because there is just so much info here. Mm -hmm. So they give us the rough idea of it, we get it done roughly, and then they'll come in, and I've actually paired with people who have the domain knowledge, but not any technical ability, and they'll say, well, we need these, this needs to be here, we need to multiply this, this is over time, you know, and it, it does, um, we have been able to get a lot done. There was one day we just paired for six hours straight on like this one really complicated algorithm, and we just got it done in a day. Did you do it remotely, or did you bring the customer in, it was, or did you it go was to local. them? It was local. They okay. came to us, mm -hmm. and, uh, but other times they have done it. Uh, I haven't paired with any of them remotely, because getting them set up with the tools would have been prohibitive. But, um, you know, the rest of the time it's with calls and trying to communicate. But, uh, but pulling them in was, was helpful. Now, one of the, one of the things I've seen where we, where there's a remote customer and, um, even when your when the technical team isn't just distributed, but what the, you know, the customer part of the team is that seems to work for some teams that, uh, other coaches I know who work with is having the, the, having it set up so it's possible for the customer actually to run, you know, if I assume you do weekly or whenever your iteration period is demos and instead of you running it for them, have them actually run it remotely from wherever they are that everybody can see simultaneously. That the kind of feedback you get from them being hands-on the system, from a purely user's point of view, which is where they ought to feel comfortable, and if they don't, then there's a problem. Um, the feedback, well, you know, one of the developers are, are, you know, taking the notes about, okay, what is it they like, what is it they don't like, and you can get, you know, maybe not exactly, you know, peer development, peer programming, but at least, you know, peer analysis, you know, and requirements gathering going on. Um, from something live. One of the really cool solutions I saw in the Node Knockout was um, a system that, it was really just an iframe wrapper, mm -hmm. and a bunch of people could go to this one URL, and it would give you a special URL, and then it would drive the iframe for everybody. So, and it would show everybody's mouse pointers moving around, a little mouse pointer image. Oh, and so it was yeah. using Node to figure out where your mouse was, and mm. so you could see all these mice moving around. So what's this? This sounds interesting. Uh, it, it was it was really only a prototype solution. I don't remember the name of it. Okay. And, but it was done in the 48-hour knockout. You search Node.js oh, okay. Node uh, mouse pointer yeah, like something. programming competition. Sort of. I read, I read okay. too. Yeah, and, and so when you clicked on, uh, when anybody clicked on something, it would change the iframe for everybody, and it would show the click event. So you could actually send the client a special link it would show them the page and then they could start doing stuff with you there and it was uh, I mean it was like VNC sort of solution except they just did it with JavaScript and iframes um, it's pretty neat so officially, there's only a few minutes left. Are there any other burning questions about distributed work? Go ahead. Have you covered anything about cultural differences uh, among nationalities, between nationalities? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, time zones. Time zones. Accents. We can do that in two minutes, right? <laughs> uh, I've, I've, I've dealt with having two teams in, in different countries, in India and uh, the, the U.S., and of course one of the problems is having any kind of communication that people can get together. We finally agreed at 7 in the morning, which I hate, I'm not a morning people person, because you know, it was like 7 o'clock at night for them. 
So that's a big challenge. But one of the things I heard that even um, that, that um, ThoughtWorks did when they had multiple teams, each team wasn't distributed, but they had a team in India and a team in, and teams in Australia, and they would try to have simultaneous stand-ups and they tried several different things, and they just weren't communicating. And what they found, which they could afford to do financially, that I don't know how it communicates for the rest of us, is they would take a few of their Australians and ship them to India for a few weeks and vice versa. Because until the teams got to actually know each other as people, um, the, the cultural and team communication barriers were just sort of insurmountable. And Indian culture is fairly close to ours, like in comparison yeah. to, to Chinese, say, uh, which is really, really different. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, the language barrier isn't a big deal. But in, between them, once they got those folks had rotated enough, the communication problems just dropped. They also got to know each other's code and style and this other sort of good things. But, you know, just, you know, going to parties at each other's houses, you know, the Aussie Barbie or the, the Indian birthday party sort yeah. of thing um, was extremely valuable to them. There was that oatmeal comic where it was like two people cutting each other off driving cars and they were just, it was all profanities, people yelling and swearing, and then two people cutting each other off while walking down a sidewalk. sidewalk. It was like, oh, excuse me, no, excuse me, have a good day, sir, you know? It's like, if you start working with a remote team and you've never met them, it's like, oh, yeah. it's just some jerk they hire. Look at this stupid code he's stupidly writing, you know? I, I hear that over and over. It's like, oh, hey, that's that's Jimmy, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, I hear that over and over. So I guess we're, we're about about up. There's one, one, one funny story I heard about the, uh, the, the language difference um, so an intridian was saying they were they were um, working with one of their um, one of their Chinese colleagues in you know who is in China and um, and they're working with them really well they're just communicating entirely by email and campfire and it's going really well um, and then they're like you know I want to like work with you in person or maybe it was I want to work with you like over Skype or something like that and it's like um, can we not do that and it's like why and it's like and and, and the the Chinese guy was like um, well, my I actually don't really speak English. What? And he he wrote English perfectly. But he but he didn't he didn't he was still really really like really practicing, you know, at a really low level speaking it. And so they could communicate by um by by text much better than they could communicate. Something um, along those lines. I, I read a story about two people who were playing a uh, it was uh, two people playing World of Warcraft together. Mm-hmm. And they had an excellent four or five hour session helping each other out, tons of stuff. And then they got to a point that was getting a bit more difficult and they said, hey, you know what? Let's get some voice chat going because we this yeah. is getting hard to type and do this at the same mm-hmm. time. They connected. It turns out it was an 11-year-old boy and like a 35-year-old guy. <laughs> and they immediately could not work with each other anymore. Oh, no, it sucks. Because and, and, the 35-year-old guy kept hearing like the kid being like, mom, I'm playing Warcraft. And I was like, oh. And he's like, wow, this is the guy that's been helping me so much. And they, they do it. And so this guy's a rock star. Yeah. So, so there may be benefits to distributed teams where cultural differences are actually Melt masked. Away. Yeah. Because yeah. you don't actually have to deal with somebody, you know? Wow. So that's fancy. I like being with All right. And on that note, we're wrapping up. So thank you all very much. Thank you.
Thanks for listening to the Wide Teams podcast. Please visit us on the web at wideteams.com to leave feedback and enjoy more articles, screencasts, and conversations about dispersed teams. The Wide Teams podcast is a service of ShipRise LLC and is released under a Creative Commons attribution non-commercial share-alike license. Our music is by Giles Boquette. Until next time, this is Avdi Grimm signing off. Wow, 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 wow,